0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, August 7th, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. After the financial crisis of 2008, not much has changed, at least not in a way that might prevent or soften the effects of another crisis. And now that the Fed has moved more directly into credit allocation, the path back to a coherent monetary system seems longer than ever. So says Judy Shelton, co-director of the Sound Money Project at the Atlas Network. We spoke last week during Cato University. Why is it that you believe that uh, the global financial system, the monetary system, is set to have a repeat of what happened in 2008?
1: Well, I think it's completely without order. We've lost sight of what is the primary role of money. It's supposed to be a unit of account. It's supposed to convey price signals in an accurate way it's supposed to be a reliable store of value. And we talk about free markets and a global economy, and yet if, if free markets are to work, you have to be able to make decisions based on the price signal. If the money unit can be corrupted through the discretion of monetary officials, it really distorts financial capital flows. And you have lots of investment in unproductive activities. And I think that's why we're seeing such a disconnect between the performance of the real economy and uh, the sky-high valuations of financial assets in global markets.
0: Well, let's uh, dig down a little bit in terms of this uh, separation between what happens in the real economy and the valuation of financial assets. Why do you believe that separation has occurred and even accelerated in the last five, six years?
1: Well, in the wake of the 2008 crisis, we have given central banks immense power, even more power than they had before, to try to alter the value of the money unit in order to affect people's behavior, to make them make financial decisions in accordance with what the government thinks would be good for the economy.
0: Which is like spending versus saving.
1: Yes, if if you make if you make interest rates inordinately low, um, then that money makes it possible for investors, say, to buy up equities. It starts pushing up financial asset prices. Uh, What about homes? We have housing is going up twice the rate of generalized inflation. You have to wonder with such low growth why we have any inflation at all. But I think what what we are experiencing is a, a financialization, of the economy, where people are more geared to listening to what central bankers hint at in terms of future rates. And everything's on a hair trigger because the only way you can make any money is to take a chance that you can use the cheap funding and buy up the market, but you better be prepared to dump it in a hurry if anything starts to go wrong. And uh, meantime, people who are playing by the rules People who worked and saved and put away money so they could finance their own retirement, they are subsidizing this. They are getting next to nothing on their savings account. Monetary policy, instead of instead of enforcing the connection between effort and reward, is really making suckers out of savers. And that, that goes against American principles.
0: So uh, in your idealized world, we would not be seeing low rates, we'd be seeing higher rates, we'd be seeing market rates of interest?
1: Market rates, market rates. What the Federal Reserve is doing is, is very close to central planning. And I, I used to s- analyze the Soviet economy and um, I thought we decided that free markets were better arbiters of, of how to use resources than, than central planners. But we are effectively trying to, to push buttons through monetary policy uh, it's the ultimate trickle down because the people able to borrow at 1% who can make money buying up financial assets, uh, they are rewarded in a way that I think is 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 quite unfair. We have monetary favoritism where one segment of the population is making out like bandits while uh, Main Street, if I can call it that, is finding it more difficult to um, carry out their own economic aspirations. What, what really bothers me about the situation now is I think when rates are this low, banks are deciding that they are better off churning U.S. government securities and sort of playing this recycling game with the Federal Reserve. Even though it's for a low rate of interest, uh, they don't get charged with regulatory noncompliance. They don't have to put up capital against loans. I think it's really discouraging community banks from making loans, traditional loans to consumers or to entrepreneurs or small business, people who want to actually do something productive. And, and that's the big problem. This disconnect is is making it worse for the people who would like to do something productive economically.
0: And at least part of the problem has been that banks have not responded the way central banks wished they might.
1: Exactly. And I, I wonder how many years we're going to give this experiment time to to play out with no results. At the time, it was anticipated that we'll flood through quantitative easing, we'll flood the markets. The The Federal Reserve will come in and buy up a huge percentage of the debt issued by our treasury. They will finance our deficit But it will be worth it because that will get the ball rolling. It'll put more reserves in the accounts of banks, and they can lend those out. And the big worry at the beginning was, oh, that'll be highly inflationary. What's really scary to me is, I never thought I'd say this, we don't have the inflation. Inflation is the dog that's not barking. Because if things were working the way the Fed thought they were going to, the banks would be lending out that money. And the borrowers would be investing in new plant and equipment and expanding production and hiring people. And those people would then get higher wages and we would have genuine demand and then you would see the inflation. But what's happening is the banks are just leaving the money they get for churning the government securities in their account at the Fed. They're just leaving them as excess reserves. We're drowning. In excess reserves, it's this impotent pile of reserves that banks are keeping with the Fed. They now get paid by the Fed on those reserves. They have very little incentive to make a genuinely risky loan. Very little incentive. They can. They never have to offer uh, hire another loan officer. They can just all day make a small but steady profit by by recycling the government debt with the Fed, keeping it in excess reserves, getting paid on those excess reserves. And I think it's destroyed the very vital function of financial intermediation, the kind that gets real investment capital to real people who are willing to take a chance, because that's what entrepreneurs do, and start a business, the kind of businesses that hire people and, and actually improve the standard of living.
0: There are enormous political benefits potentially for politicians who uh, essentially allow this kind of system to persist. And uh, so what are the incentives? I mean, are, it seems as if the incentives for politicians to allow this kind of system to persist will continue. Well, I, uh, right up even to a, a much more serious crisis um, than I, the I
1: think politicians have have abandoned this. They've abandoned this. I mean, the Constitution says that Congress has the power to regulate money, and it gives that power in the same sentence that it describes the responsibility of Congress to to establish money in the same way as they establish official weights and measures. That is, as a as a unit of account, a measurement. And uh, Congress has farmed this out to the Fed. They were only too happy to let the Fed step in. As an agency of government, the Fed has exceedingly undemocratic massive powers that affect people's lives, and, uh, you know, I don't see why a central bank should even be allowed to buy government debt. That's that's just a a conflict of interest right there, and then our central bank turns around and pays the interest—it was $90 billion this past year—the interest they get on the Treasury debt back to Treasury. I mean, this is is, uh, magical thinking. And uh, so I think uh, politicians have, have abandoned their responsibility here. The only thing they like, and they say it works for them, is that with interest rates so low, the government can borrow so cheaply. So you have monetary policy today that is catering first and foremost to heavily indebted government, allowing them to borrow cheaply. And secondly, to big listed corporations who are largely using cheap money to buy back their own shares and drive up the equity prices for their own companies, and um, the losers are just the average people who aren't in a position, a privileged position, to benefit from zero interest rates. And in fact, it's the big losers are the savers who only get zero interest on their savings.
0: Progressives have witnessed this separation between um, corporate borrowing. And corporate investment, and their solution is well, we should either we should seem to we should be compelling corporations to borrow uh, to invest.
1: You know, uh, this takes us one step closer to central planning. I'm just waiting for the Federal Reserve to start forcing banks to make loans, but then they'll have to specify who is a so- suitable borrower. Then you're very close to the the system the Soviet Union had before it collapsed, with the government deciding the suitable entities to receive funding. And uh, I hope we're not getting to that point. What surprises me, because frankly, um, the Tea Party and Occupy Wall Street come pretty close together in realizing that what the Federal Reserve has been doing for the last seven years has not spurred growth. I mean, people would have been, I suppose, willing to give this experiment a chance, a chance, even if they knew that, well, first it's going to benefit big government, then it's gonna benefit big corporations, then it's gonna benefit wealthy investors, but ultimately it will trickle down and they'll start creating jobs and and expand production and people will get hired and then the pressure on hiring people will cause wages to go up. I mean, how long, Are are the left willing to wait for this experiment to pay off? Uh, At some point, aren't they going to say um, it's not working? And, you know, my job isn't to say, oh, that means the Fed should be raising rates. That, to me, is like asking me whether I should tell the old Soviet ghost plan whether they should be um, producing 500,000 pair of snow boots or 400,000 pair of snow boots. The problem is central planning. And um, I think that that central banks, our own particularly, have gotten way too influential, way too dominant, and um, people don't really invest. They just wait to make paper profits based on the latest thing that Janet Yellen says.
0: So short of uh, the wholesale exit of uh, the United States and Europe and other countries from central banking as as an institution, what are means of exit for people who... Uh, care about money as a unit of account, a store of value, and a, a method of exchange?
1: I think this needs to be elevated to a very important political issue that anyone who aspires to be president of the United States needs to address in a comprehensive way. Because when you consider that the 2008 presidential campaign was interrupted that the televised debate that had been scheduled between McCain and Obama was canceled so that they could race back to Washington to deal with this crisis, that tells us what are candidates going to do if we get another meltdown between now and Election Day 2016. I want to hear some bold proposals out there among candidates. I want them to say that what we have today is as far as international monetary relations it's 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 worse than a non system it's an anti system and uh, i believe that it had a major role in causing the 2008 financial crisis by by distorting signals distorting investment giving people incentives to make empty investments to just speculate and play with financial instruments rather than the really blessed mission of financial intermediation, which is to supply the seed corn from people who have sacrificed, who have said, I'd rather save than consume, because I want to invest in a project that has the potential to bring about a greater harvest. I mean, that is capitalism. That's the best part of capitalism, and banks should be a noble part of that. They should not be drawn into the speculative game with government, or worse, made into utilities, just churning government securities, uh, playing a footsie with the Federal Reserve. I, I think it's a shame that banking has come to that.
0: Judy Shelton is co-director of the Sound Money Project at the Atlas Network. We spoke during Cato University. Learn more about Cato U and other events at our website, cato.org.